I'm going to talk to you tonight about Emmanuel, God with us, uh, kind of the story of Jesus coming to earth, and there we go. Is this going to work? My clicker's not working, Sydney, so we'll have, you got it? Good to go. So Emmanuel, God with us, this is the story of Jesus, but before I get into that, I have a, a friend, uh, Andrew Lanning. There's a picture of him going to be on the screen. And raise your hand if you know Andrew Lanning. Andrew Lanning is one of my favorite people of all time. I just found that picture. It's from a trip that we took to Yosemite. And that's just like the embodiment of Andrew Lanning right there. And so I was like, I just, that's the one I chose. Um, he's an electrician. And whenever he walks into a new house, he's always like, going places he shouldn't go, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's always, like, digging in, like, unscrewing the lights and trying to look at the electrical wiring in the house, and he's just, like, he's, Nick can attest to this, he's, he's like, going to figure out what's wrong with your house, right? And so, he's always looking at the electrical work in a house. Is it up to code? Did the people do the wiring do a good job? He recognizes the little things about the electrical work in a house. Um, His training and experience and knowledge make it um, impossible for him to not notice the electrical work in a house. So whenever he walks into a house, he's always recognizing things that most people miss. And I also thought about this in the realm of music. So maybe you're a musician and during worship, like, you're trying to worship, but, like, you, like, hear all the music. And you're, you want to worship Jesus, but then you just, you get lost in the music. And it's this thing of, like, because of your experience and your background, like, you recognize things that someone like me who has no experience in music, I just miss it. Like, we'll be debriefing, like, services, and we'll be like, how'd it go? And then, and then uh, like, it was so good. And then Tiffany will be like, oh, like, we missed, we messed up right here. And I was like, I didn't even recognize, like, I didn't even notice that at all. Like, I, I just, way over my, I just don't recognize it. And so today I want to talk about, um, how we can start recognizing Jesus in our life and how God is much more present in our life than we might consider. Or maybe we know he's present in our life, but we know we miss him. But because we're so busy or distracted, we miss him. I want to I talk tonight about three things we need to recognize Jesus in our lives. Three things we need to recognize Jesus in our lives. So like Andrew Lanning, Recognizing the electrical work or the musicians, recognizing the musical elements during a worship set or a song, we as Christians should be able to recognize the work of Jesus in our lives on a daily basis. We should, we should have the spiritual wisdom and insight in order to see things differently than the rest of the world. And so Jesus coming to earth is Emmanuel God with us. Jesus coming to earth set the stage for the kingdom for it to be possible for you and I to notice God's work. It says in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, for us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The phrase here I want you to focus in on is that the government shall be upon his shoulders. So this prophecy in Isaiah prophesies that, that a child would be born, Jesus, a son would be given, that's Jesus, and the government would be on his shoulders. It's prophesying to the kingdom of God that Jesus came to bring forth. It's the kingdom of God that Jesus came preaching. He didn't come preaching, become a Christian. He, he came preaching, repent, or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Like the kingdom of God is at hand. And if the kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus is the king of that kingdom. And so he didn't come to build a religion, but he came to bring a spiritual kingdom to earth. One that would thrive in any environment, in any country, in any culture, in any race, with any language. Jesus came to bring a kingdom that was spiritual and that is here with us now. His kingdom is actually in the midst of us. And we get to participate with that kingdom. Another cool thing about Jesus' kingdom is that it's growing. His kingdom is influence. It started, it started on Christmas 2,021 years ago, but it's been growing ever since. To think of that, the, that the Christian message started off with Jesus and 12 disciples and we'll see some numbers today and what it's turned into. Jesus' kingdom is growing and ever-expanding. And my, my mentor, Mike, who's in the back, he's the white-haired guy with the mustache that maybe you saw. <laughs> he's probably laughing back there. <laughs> like my Mike, Mike, my mentor says, get on board or get out of the way. The kingdom is moving and it's growing. And Jesus is inviting you to be a participant, to be a son and a da- or a daughter in his kingdom. So I said it's growing. Oops. Here's some statistics. In 1900, twice as many Christians lived in Europe than in the rest of the world. So basically, Europe was the Christian hub of the world in 1900. Today, almost 640 million Christians live in Africa and 604 million more in Asia, while 544 million call Europe home. So in just over 100 years... The Christian message, which was hubbed in Europe, has expanded to Africa and Asia in numbers that outgrew Europe. His kingdom is expanding and growing. And remember, it all started with Christmas. Next, next slide. Iran. Approximately, they have 2.2 million Christians in Iran where it's technically illegal to be a Christian. That's a lot of Christians in a place where you'll get killed to be a Christian. Mexico, Protestant slash evangelical movement, has grown from 7.5% of the population to 11.2% of the population in the last 10 years. The kingdom of God, Jesus' kingdom, is growing. If you listen to the media, you'll hear how the world's getting worse. If you listen to news outlets and you listen to alarmists, they'll say that the world is ending and that all the stuff that's happening in the world is, is leading to, right, civil war and unrest. But Jesus' kingdom is growing. The church is growing. In Cambodia, sorry, la- go back to the last slide, Cambodia, the number of Christians has grown to more than 300,000, an 8.8% growth rate. Like, I don't know if you're, where's Anna? Where's Anna? Where's this? Statistics, right? You're like, 8.6, that's like crazy. Like, that's like 8.8, oh, okay, that's not that much growth. You're like, that's a lot of growth. That's a lot of growth, right? Next one, next slide. Next slide, please. China, an estimated 60 million Christians, although the number cannot be verified because of the underground church. Jesus' kingdom is expanding, and it started on Christmas, or at the birth of Christ. In Africa, Protestant Christianity is growing at a 2.86 rate each year throughout the continent. Um, um, Some experts predict that 
In Africa, by 2050, there will be a billion Christians in Africa, in the continent of Africa, by 2050. That's if the Lord tarries. And it all started with Emmanuel, God with us. It all started with a, with a baby that was born in an unknown, dirty stable in Bethlehem. It all started because God loved humanity and wanted to spread the hope and the redemption that he desired. He, he desired his children to come back home. God's kingdom is ever expanding. His go- the government will be on his shoulders. Not the governments, the government. You see, we want America to be saved. Jesus wants people to be saved. And if people, be sa- if people get saved, then the culture will change, right? The idea isn't we don't need a Christian president. We need the church to do its job and to stand for truth, to love widows, to love the poor, to love the orphans, and to evangelize every day. And as that happens, the kingdom expands. The kingdom doesn't expand if we have more Christians in leadership. The kingdom expands when we expand it. Does that make sense? So you're a part of his kingdom that's growing at a rapid, rapid rate. And the question is, his influence is moving in the earth, and God is moving in continents and countries and underground churches. It's moving with the poor. It's moving in, in different, in with Muslim people and Chinese people and, and African people and American people. It's moving. But the question that we need to ask ourselves is, do we recognize the movement in our lives? It's easy to get excited with big numbers, but ultimately we have to reduce it down to the individual and say to us today, do we recognize it at a global scale? And then now do we recognize it in our personal lives? Do you recognize the movement of Jesus in your life? Do you recognize God's kingdom that's right in front of you at your workplace, in your family, and at your home life, and in your hobby life, and in your phone life? Do you recognize that Jesus is looking to advance his kingdom through you? Through you. He's looking to advance and impact other people through your life. Do we recognize it? And I started off by saying, we're going to talk about three things that we need to recognize Jesus in our lives. To do that, I'm going to share a story from Luke 2. It's an account of a part of the birth of Jesus. Jesus had just been born in Luke 2, 25 through 38, if you have your Bibles. Jesus had just been born, and it was by, uh, in the Jewish law, you, uh, the oldest son was supposed to be taken to the temple to be dedicated to the Lord. And so Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. And as they were in the temple, this happens. I'm going to read it to you. It's, it's a bit lengthy, but I think you all can handle it. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was a righteous and devout, was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. 
And when the parents brought in the child to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up on his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. And you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation to the Gentiles, that's us, and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that uh, thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Crazy. And then verse 36, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years. Also, that's a great way to, that's a nice way of saying that she's old, advanced in years. Having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. So she's 84 years old. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with, uh, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. So we got this picture of Jesus coming to be dedicated to the temple. And out of all the dozens and dozens of people, the religious leaders, the scribes, who had memorized the Old Testament scriptures, you had all these dozens and dozens of people. It'd be like a room like this, like this many people in a room. And Jesus, the Messiah, God enters the room. Like he's in the room. And only two people recognize it. I want to, I see a day where our, our church, right, our young adult family, that all of us recognize the move of God in the room. All of us recognize God's movement in our lives, and we're sensitive to his leading, and we're present in the moment. And so this message, and what we want to attack is how three things we need to recognize Jesus in our lives. Three observations that I've made from Simeon and Anna as they were encountering Jesus as a baby. The first thing is humility. Simeon was a righteous and devout man. The interesting thing is that Joseph and Mary were nobodies. Joseph and Mary were literally no, like nobodies. They were not popular. They were not rich. They were not well-known. They were just normal, average people. And he was a devout and a righteous man, meaning that he had some status and he was in the temple, which meant that he, he was right, he was rubbing shoulders with the religious scribes and Pharisees, and so he would have had some, of, um, some relationship with the people who had influence because the religious leaders were the political leaders of the day. And yet, he was humble enough to go to a nobody couple who walked in one day. Humble enough to recognize that their baby was the Messiah. You see, if he, if he cared about status and if he cared about what uh, the outward appearance, the status of how much money they had or what family they came from, then he might have missed it. But you see, it shows us that he was humble. He had humility and he had the Holy Spirit. Anna, consistently praying and worshiping 
the Lord day and night in the temple. Her heart softened to the redemption of Israel, humility under the lordship of Jesus, or really the lordship of Yahweh, saying, his kingdom come. She was humble before the Lord. And we find this trait with others in Scripture. It's these types of people that the Lord works through. It's not loud or successful or rich people. It's not people who speak well or who are pastors and can communicate from stage on a microphone. We learn that through Moses. Moses was a stutterer, and yet God led the people of Israel out of Egypt with a man who stutters and couldn't talk. It's not people who are the most popular or who have the most followers or the best looking. God looks for humble people. There's some scriptures here, Psalm 138, verse 6. It says, for though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. And and there's another, okay, we'll go to James next, but here, Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are those who are so aware of their need for Jesus, humility, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you want to see Jesus move in your life, we have to become so desperate and realize how desperate we are for God. A lot of us just get enough of Jesus to get us through the day. We need to start recognizing that our need for Jesus is far greater than we could ever imagine. And that we've been coasting and getting by in the flesh oftentimes because we haven't fully become poor in spirit or humble before the Lord. Not humble before your peers, humble before the Lord. And then James 4, 6, therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. (laughs) I'm deciding whether I want to go somewhere. (laughs) I'll just say this, God opposes opposes proud people. And any movement or group who claims pride over something, be very cautious to join that movement. Any people group who, who, who are proud of their pride, any, any people that are self-righteous, be very careful. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Next set of verses here. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Proverbs 16.5. Galatians 6.3. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And then Romans 12.16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. I mentioned earlier, I was talking to Aiden Risinga last week, and she made a statement that, I, that stuck out to me. It, it may not be word for word, but it was something like this. It said, it makes sense that we need humility to recognize Jesus because he humbled himself when he came to earth. Although God is high, he regards the lowly. It's because Jesus himself humbled himself to be born of a woman, to become in the flesh, to put on human 
skin, to be weak. It makes sense that we have to be humble to recognize him because he is true humility. And so when I speak of humility, I don't mean humility by the world standards, but humility before God. Kind of like this heart posture that I need you, God. Like, I am nothing. Like, create in me a pure heart, oh God. Remove any wickedness in me. It's this heart that postures an everyday posturing of ourselves before God, saying, God, I am nothing without you. With you, I have everything. But without you, I have nothing. It's not this low view of, human, or of our identity. It's actually a correct view of our identity. It's not that we're scum of the earth. It's that we have a correct view of God, which means we have a correct view of ourselves. I want to have a, a few signs that we may be living in pride for us tonight. And they're going to go on the screen. We do not receive correction. We've experienced little to no growth in our spiritual life. Because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If God's given you grace, you better believe you're growing. Now, it doesn't mean you should beat yourself up that you're prideful. It just means you should recognize your pride, repent, come to the Father and say, God, I want to be humble. Teach me how to be humble. We have a high view of our opinions. We do not listen to others in conversations. We are impatient with others and we are quick to criticize others. These are just some signs. Like I said, don't beat yourself up, but if the shoe fits, kick it off. <laughs> I stole that from another preacher, okay? And so if this is evident in our relationship with friends or family, these signs, it's usually an indication that something is off with our relationship with Christ. We don't, like I said, we don't beat ourselves up, but we approach God knowing that he'll give us grace and mercy when we need it. And ultimately, a high view of God leads to an accurate view of ourselves. A high view of God is thinking correctly of ourselves. Humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. And so we need humility to recognize Jesus. We learn that from Anna and from Simeon in Luke 2. Second thing we need to recognize Jesus in our lives and this kingdom movement is we need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> really, Jake? Yes, you do need the Holy Spirit to recognize the, ki the kingdom of God in your life. It says in Luke 2, uh, 27 through 28, and Simeon came in the Spirit into the temple. He came in the Spirit. You see, the Spirit was the thing that showed him the Messiah. It was humility, but then humility led its way to relationship with God. Relationship with God led to a connection and trust so that he could recognize Jesus when he came. You see, it's kind of like it builds on each other. You need humility. Humility leads to relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then that leads to the next thing that I'll get to in a minute. We need, to re we need the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God. He is a person, not an it or a force. He is a part of the Holy Trinity. Holy Spirit is God with us. John 15, 26 says this, when the helper comes, helpers capitalized H, that means it's a person and that is referring to the Holy Spirit. The helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So the Holy Spirit's role in our lives is to bear witness to Christ in his kingdom. 
And so as we get to know Holy Spirit, and as we are humble and we build a relationship with God, we'll start to recognize His movement in our lives. It's like a relationship that you build with someone, but how many of you, mm, who lives in an apartment here? No, not that many people live in apartments? Wow, okay. Who has neighbors? Okay, there we go. That's better. Okay, we'll with that. So I lived in an apartment complex, and uh, this thing happened where I, I wanted to meet all my neighbors, and I met some of them, but then there was one neighbor who I didn't meet, and then it was like maybe six weeks after I moved in, maybe eight weeks after I moved in, and then I reached that point, point. and you guys know what point I'm talking about? The point to which you can no longer make eye contact with your neighbor. Because it's, so, because it's too late. It's been two months. You can't ask them your name. You've walked by them like 14 times already. And you've ignored them too many times. There's no going back. And so, raise your hand if you've identified and you've experienced that before, maybe with a neighbor. Yes, it's an awful experience. Holy Spirit is not that way. <laughs> Holy Spirit's been living in a lot of you, some of, or most of you, if you're a Christian, he's been living in you for a long time. And most Christians don't develop a relationship with Holy Spirit. They've ignored him. He's been living in them for many years. But there's been no relationship, conversation. There's been no trust built. The Holy Spirit is not like us who says it's too late. He's waiting. He's waiting to build the connection. He's waiting to show you your identity, your worth, your future. He's waiting to show you the things that he's created you to do and to be. He's waiting to heal you in ways that you never thought possible. He's waiting to have a relationship and a conversation and a dialogue every day with you, but you never thought possible because you had such a low view of yourself. But humility brings a high view of God, correct view of us, so we can have relationship with Holy Spirit and with God. This is what it says in Ephesians 2. It says, in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You are a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. He is in you. He is with you. He is ready to show you the movement of God's kingdom in your life. And I'm not talking about like massive move. I'm talking about little things. I'm talking about the little things in life that matter. Then it says in 2 Timothy 1.14, by the Holy Spirit... Who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Here's this guarding. It's a, he's in us, and we need to guard the relationship that we have with him in order for us to participate and work and obey and grow the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Jesus with the Spirit of God. So that we can be a part of statistics like we saw on the screen of more people coming to follow Jesus because of our involvement in the everyday. You see, what you see is big numbers. What you don't see are the 12-person house churches all over Africa, in, in, in Iran, in Cambodia. It's not big mega churches like this. It's small groups of people that are influencing other real people. That's how the kingdom grows. So Holy Spirit is not mad at you for neglecting the relationship. He is waiting. He is anticipating like the prodigal son, the father who comes out and runs. He's waiting for you to interact with him on an everyday basis. It starts with humility to recognize Jesus in your life. It's secondly, we need the Holy Spirit in our life. I'd been praying like 
for my neighborhood when I started moving, and I moved in last, like, um, I moved in last July. Shout out to all the guys who helped me move in. Um, and I've been praying for my neighbors, and I don't know, just randomly one day, I was praying for my, one of my neighbors, and it was just like, go, go ask if you can pray for them. It's the random thought. You know, like that, that's like a scary thought because you don't know like where people are. You know, you're like, are they Christian? It's like scary, right? And so like I go over there like the next day and I'm talking to them and, and they're not Christian. And so, or they weren't Christian, I should say. And I just go, hey, like, how can I pray for you? And then they were like, you would never believe what happened. So one of the people in the house, I'm not going to name names because they could listen to this someday. One of the people in the house was having panic attacks, like really bad panic attacks, like to the point of like really bad, really, really bad. And one of the, one of the people who lived in the house, just in the 3 a.m. one night, two days before I came over to talk to them, cried out to God and said, God, if you're real, just show yourself. She's laying in bed and just freaking out in a panic attack and She's not a charismatic Pentecostal, right? She's like unchurched. <laughs> and so she says a light appears in front of her and moves to the side of her bed and just sits there, a light. And then it says, instantly, all my panic left and peace filled me. And she said, I need to know everything about the Christian God. And I go two days later and I go, hey, how can I pray for you guys? And I hear that story. I'm like, I am so glad I know the Holy Spirit so I can participate in the growth of the kingdom. Not that it was my, that I didn't have anything to do with that, but now I get to go and encourage them and, and write and, and love on them and, and be a part of their growth as sons and daughters of God. And that's a simple story. It's not anything, I didn't do anything. I just was praying. And God allowed me to participate in the growth and expansion and breaking through of his love into a real person's life. That's how the kingdom grows. So we need the Holy Spirit to recognize Jesus in our lives. And lastly, I'll share this, I'm gonna, is we need hunger. We need hunger to recognize Jesus in our lives. Luke 2, uh, 36 through 37 says, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years and she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. You guys, it's no surprise that she recognized the Messiah. She was hungry. It's no surprise that, that we recognize Jesus when we're hungry. Matthew 5 says that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Other versions say they will be filled. It's this hunger and desire. But it doesn't come from our desire and hunger. It actually comes from his. You see, because when you're humble and you say, high view of God. God, you are growing, expanding your kingdom through the earth, God. And I am just me, but I get to be a part of it. And you love me. And you delight in me. And then you build a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And as you build a relationship with the Holy Spirit, he starts to make you unsatisfied with temporal, material things. He makes you unsatisfied 
satisfied with the relationships and the chasing of relationships and the chasing of girls or guys or DMing and all the things that we do, the hookup culture that we're in, makes us unsatisfied with drugs, the unsatisfied with the alcohol and the partying. You see, when you build relationship with Jesus, he satisfies you, but at the same time, he makes you so desperate and unsatisfied that you want more. You're saying, what I've tasted, I want. Taste and see, the Lord is good. And he makes you to want more. But it's not a something that you, it's not something that I can muster up hunger. It's actually relationship with Holy Spirit that increases hunger. And so Anna, as she was going to the temple, her humility actually was the thing that drove her hunger. We can't muster up because we're hustle and we're, you know, we're, gonna, we're gonna just going to go after God with everything we have. You know, that's not the approach. The approach is humility and then relationship and then hunger. And that's a sustainable hunger. It's a hunger that will last. Because here's 2 Corinthians 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The Lord searches the earth, so we need humility, Holy Spirit, hunger. All three are essential ingredients to recognizing the movement of Jesus in our life. And hunger is, is the stewarding of what the Holy Spirit does within us, or is doing in us. It's, it's, the, it's the obedience, is when you build a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and then you You better believe when I went and prayed and the Lord said go pray for him you better believe I went back to my room and I was more hungry you know what I mean like when I participate in the kingdom that doesn't make me satisfied that makes me want more what's next God what's if you're gonna do that what else can you do right I was just praying before bed I wasn't even really on my knees it was just a, a normal prayer and that's what you can do? I wonder what would happen if I, I, I fat. I wonder what, wonder what would happen if I gave up this. I wonder what would happen. You see, when you participate in the kingdom, it makes you more on fire. Some people call it crazy, but some people say it committed to Jesus and obedient. And my desire for us is that we would be people who are, first of all, humble, because f- passion for God with pride drives people away from Jesus. We need humility, we need relationship with Holy Spirit, which leads to hunger. And if we'll have those three ingredients, you will recognize Jesus all throughout your life. Every day in school, every day at work, every day at home. It will not be a, I can't wait for the weekend. It will be an everyday refreshing, delighting in the Lord because he's with you, Emmanuel, God with us. This is what the story of Jesus is all about. It's not just a get your sins forgiven. It's an invitation into the, into the lifestyle of expanding God's kingdom through the earth. Would you guys pray with me as we close? My question to you tonight is what is God leading you to tonight? Where was the Lord? Where was Holy Spirit touching your heart? Was it in humility? Was it in hunger? Or was it in developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit? I'm going to give you just a, just literally 15 seconds. I want you just to have an internal dialogue with the Lord, and I want you just to commit, not commit, but I want you to have a dialogue about where you want to go in your relationship with Him. Maybe you need to work on humility. Maybe you need to work on relationship with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you want more hunger. Just take 15 seconds and dialogue with Him right now.
It just means express. Just express what you feel in your heart and in your mind. With your eyes still closed, James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. All of us are sinners. All of us were once enemies of God. But by his love, by sending Jesus to inaugurate the kingdom, to die on the cross and resurrect from the dead, it says that his sacrifice paid for our sin so that we could be called children of God. And the beautiful thing is, it's by grace, it's all by God. And really, it's about humility. Us recognizing our brokenness, and then recognizing the goodness of Jesus. If you've never done that, and tonight you need to make that decision, that, in, that, that, that personal decision of like, I need Jesus. I'm done being proud. I'm done being the guy who knows it all or the gal who knows it all. I'm done doing it in my own way. Tonight, I need Jesus. Tim Keller has a quote that he, that he mentions. It's not about the strength of your faith, but the person who you put your faith in. It's not about how much you know. It's about the person who you put your faith and trust in. Jesus is faithful. You can trust him with your life and your eternal life. If you want to make that decision tonight, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. When you raise your hand, all, what you're saying is that I, I'm humbling myself before God, and I need him to save me and give me eternal life and, and enter, me, enter me into this kingdom, into this relationship where I can live like what you're talking about, Pastor Jake. I want to pray with you on the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else? Praise God. I see that hand right there. You guys can put your hands down. Praise God. Would everyone just stand up with me as we, as we close out? I just want to pray with everyone. Just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for showing your love to us by sending Jesus to earth to die on a cross and raise from the dead so that I could be completely forgiven, all by grace. So today, I humble myself before the almighty, perfect Father, and I entrust my life to you. I put my faith in Jesus. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Give it up for those people, guys. Praise God.